Every one of us longs to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Every one of us. I remember Larry pulling me aside and he said, Scott, I've looked for all, I look for all my life a church like this to serve in. And uh, Larry, I think you remember that conversation. And Wyatt, you said the same thing to me. And Tom, I believe you said the same thing. And that those of us who are long in the tooth in ministry really relish the time that when God is really moving. Um, Richard, I know you've said the same thing. As God has been bringing us together, and God places this desire for something larger than ourselves within our hearts. It's the Lord who plants eternity in our hearts. Every one of us know that our time on earth is quick, is fast, but this is not all there is. There's more. Pastor Rick Warren said that this life is merely preparation for the next life. So I want to live this life to the fullness of King Jesus so I can get ready to worship him forever and ever as King of kings and Lord of lords in the glorious presence of the never-ending heaven. But what does this mean? You know, First Baptist Church Wimberley is ending an amazing year of God's blessing. An amazing year. And we look at numerical increase, and that's impressive. We talk about budgets, and we talk about attendance, and we talk about baptisms, and we talk about those things. But those things are impressive, but that's not the most impressive thing. And to me, especially to me, it's not the most impressive thing. The most impressive thing to me has been your incredible spirit of flexibility and unity and your incredible love. Tara and I have had the privilege of starting two churches and pastoring three churches that I didn't start. This church has loved us better and more than any church we've ever served. And we're so grateful to you. Now, that's not diminishing the other churches. We had dear friends and churches loved us well. But there's something about the love of Wimberley that's just different from any other kind of love. And we enjoy the clear running creeks, the, the slick, uh, kind of almost empty rivers at times until they're flooded, and the warm embrace of the Wimberley Valley. And God's done an incredible thing, a gift to us by bringing us here, and, and a prayer that we have been also a gift to you as God has brought us together. Even at times of struggle, God's in control. Even when our hearts are breaking, God is in control. One thing that I really celebrate is unity. Of all the things in the universe God maintains, he maintains them all except for one thing, and that's unity. And we're to maintain unity through the bond of peace. And so to be unified in vision and unified in purpose around these words, connect, grow, serve, and share and honor that are more than words, but they're literally a philosophy that runs through everything we do. Every program, every ministry, every message, everything, every gift we give is focused through that, that lens of who we are as a connecting people. Stan said something today. He said, Jesus had a process. And I wanted to stand up and say, yes, Connecting, growing, serving, and sharing. That was Jesus' process. And y'all have heard me say that, and you know it to be biblically true. And this church family is enjoying a spirit of unity that can only be defined by God's doing. You have tolerated more change in the last year than I, I don't even believe it at times. But I thank God for it, and it's been amazing. Now, what I want you to do is to catch the vision of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, and I'm not going to take time to read it, but you could read it for yourself. In verses 15 through 19, Jesus has an encounter with his disciples at a place he should not have been. Jesus took his disciples out of their comfort zone up into a pagan place called Caesarea Philippi. 
And in a pagan place, he said to them, who do men say that I am? Of course, you know this account. They said, John the Baptist, or one of the the apostles come back from the dead. And Stan, as you said it today, Elijah, John the Baptist, one of those comes back to, that's what Herod said when he heard about Jesus. And Jesus says, that's, that's good. That's the popular opinion. That's even what King Herod says. But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I've heard people say this, that the church of God is built on the confession of God's people. But that's not true. The church of God is built on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. You see, Jesus was a tecton, a builder. When people called him a carpenter, they were being dismissive. They said, oh, he's just a carpenter. Just like saying, oh, Stan, he's just a guitar player. Or Scott, he's just a dancing bear. Dismissive. But Jesus was a tecton, and Jesus understanding the architectural style of that day, being formed by King Herod the Great, where he would take a large stone and gather around small stones, and then another large stone and small stones. He would build his wall that way. Jesus said, I will build my church that way. I am the large stone, and you are the small stones. And in that place of a pagan place, Jesus taught them that's great, the great preparation for his disciples. And he says the same thing to us. And one thing he says to you, he says, I will, listen to me, beloved, I will build my church. Not a hope to, but I will. In a thousand years from now, the United States may not exist, but the church will. Microsoft may not exist, but the church will. iPhone 30 may not exist, but the church will because Jesus is building his church. And this God-sized vision starts with Jesus Christ, but it starts with you when you have a God-sized confession. You see, the church is going on, but you get to be a part of the church when you say, Jesus, I'm yours. And then we say that together then we become the hope of the world. Not a gathering that's exercising some kind of religious ritual, but literally a movement of God that does the good that needs doing, loves the ones that need loving, and have our lives built by the God who controls and builds everything. That is why, my friend, we are building lives church, because Jesus is a builder. We don't have a catchphrase or a model that we follow other than King Jesus. This is who we are. People say, well, Scott, you've been influenced by Rick Ward and Purpose Driven. That's probably true. Oh, Scott, you've been influenced by Bill Hybels and his seeker-sensitive movement. That's probably not as true. Or Scott, you've been influenced by John MacArthur and his expository preaching. That probably is true. Or you've been influenced by this or that or the other. But I want to tell you something. The biggest influence in my life and in our life as a church is King Jesus and his word. And we seek to be a biblical church built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And this God-sized vision that we have empowers us to live our lives and gives us, I like this word, gives us the go to do great things. Stan said something today. I heard him three times, and he said it three times. He said some things in every service that were different. Y'all ought to have been with me. He said, by what authority do you do this? 
Who gives you the authority? I'll tell you who gives us the authority. We're sons and daughters of the Most High King. We have the authority of King Jesus. Little Ivy was at our house today. And she came and she, she hugged Papa. And she says, Papa, I love coming to your house. And I got down right there and I said, Baby, I want to tell you something. Papa's house is your house too. She says, really? I said, Papa and Gigi's house is your house too because you belong to us. And this house is God's house. Not this brick and mortar, but you. The living stones. And by what authority do we get to do things? By King Jesus' authority. I say this to our staff a lot. They probably get tired of my pithy sayings. But I say to them a lot, people need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. Sean, have you heard that lately? You have Melinda. Have you heard that lately? It's true. Scott Tidwell, Joe, Wyatt. So I want to remind you. I want to remind you of who we are. A year ago, I shared this vision with you. And I'm going to remind you. We're going to look about where we've been and where we're going. We will say yes to God. We'll be a people who dare to follow his leadership regardless of cost. We'll be a people of prayer and faith. God has our yes before he asks. We will say yes to God. Now, during this year, uh, the ALT guys will tell you, we've had some outrageous requests. We said yes to some. We said no to some. But mostly we've said yes to King Jesus. We have an open heart to say, God, what do you desire of us. We'll create an intentional environment and system where people could come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We will all about, be all about reaching people. We are a life-saving station at eternity-altering people in the Wimberley Valley. Every week, you hear me offer people a prayer of salvation, don't you? to come to Christ. Some of you may roll your eyes and say, is that preacher going to do that again? You're dead gum right I am. Every week. Some of y'all been praying that with me every week. You could stop. He's already saved you. But the truth is Christ wants us to be that people. We'll provide a dynamic weekend gatherings for all ages. That's one thing I love about our church. We are multi-generational. We're not a young hipster church. We're not an old geezer church. We're a building lives church. It's a part of a multi-generational. So we have multi-generational expressions, don't we? Y'all, the music wars are dead because the music wars were founded on selfishness. Using the arts to touch the heart are as live and well. So whether we sing a song from the 1800s or a song that was written last week by some redneck on a country road, It's all for God's glory, using the arts to touch the heart. These gatherings would be relevant and excellent, using the arts to touch the heart with teaching that is biblical, leading to God-honoring life change. We'll be a church of groups for all ages, genders, and life stages. These gatherings will be the primary place of care, spiritual growth, evangelism, and life change. We will build leaders who build disciples who in turn build other disciples. We will launch and maintain an intentional discipleship process, ensuring our leaders and future leaders are trained in disciple making. And y'all have heard it so much. God time, group time, and gathering time in the intentionality of weaving those two. This week on Wednesday, 
I will get on a plane, I will fly to Alabama, and I'll record the group material for our whole winter small group experience. And so you'll have group experience and we are writing a God experience as well. This January, we're gonna be giving all of you a copy of the, blue, the book of Luke with note pages in that copy that you could take and read that and make notes and let God's word become bread and honey and milk and meat to you. So you have a God time and a group time. Of course, our gatherings, we'll, we're gonna look through Luke for nine weeks, 18 different looks in nine weeks. I'm really excited about that, and I hope you are as well, that God wants us to have an intentional time of building lives. We'll create an environment and a system. Oh, let me stop right there. Y'all, if you're not in a group, you're going to miss the full benefits of this church. Whether it's a Sunday school group or a group that's on campus or off campus, on a weeknight in a restaurant, it doesn't matter. You need to be connected. You need to be connected in order to grow, in order to serve, in order to share. We'll create an environment and system for every member to minister according to their God-given shape. Scott Tidwell wasn't kidding you. Every member a minister. Not every member a pastor, but every member a minister. God has called you all into ministry. And we're creating that and we're working that. We'll create a leadership engine to equip leaders to lead through time-honored biblical concepts modeled after the servant leadership style of Jesus Christ. This leadership engine will be for leaders of FBCW, the body of Christ, who will invest in the next generation, equipping them to serve in the now and the next. This next year, we're going to engage deeper in teaching you leadership principles and engagement. We want you to be equipped to lead well now and equip our children and our students to lead in the next. We will join God in a church planting and church revitalization movement by being a teaching, reaching, and research, uh, resource, research and resourcing church. We'll be risk takers in exploring new and initiative, new and innovative ways to expand our reach locally and globally. Y'all, we're already doing that. Over 75 churches have been influenced over, by us by this, by this last year. And the more I talk to people, the more they say they want to copy or model or follow the biblical model of building lives. We're going to Costa Rica in, in March. And the Methodist churches in Costa Rica invited me to come and to teach. They initially had invited me to come and teach the essentials of Rick Warren's purpose-driven model. They changed their mind. They said, we want you to come teach what you're doing at Wimberley. And we said, yes. You know what's even better about this? They're paying for it, we're not. That is a miracle, y'all. And they said Tara could come. So that's even a more of a miracle. So we're going to go and we're going to extend. When I go, you go with me. I think you, you know that. We'll be intentionally engaged in bringing honor, bringing God's love to Wimberley, Texas, North America, and the world through prayer projects and the giving of resources. This effort will be in direct relationship with the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, and other like-minded churches. I don't know if I should tell you all this, but I'm going to. Because I believe in transparency. We had a church this week. Some of our advisors know about it. John was in the truck when it happened. Buddy knew about it. I told Mike, Dale, I haven't had a chance to tell you and Chris. So Chris is gone. So Dale, you can fill him in. 
I won't say, oh, you're right there, brother. All right, good. Right, you Aggie, you change places on me. You move from there to there. Okay. Come on, you bro. Okay, that's right. See that shiny head. We've been approached by a church in another state who wants us to assimilate them, who wants to merge with us, where it would be our church in another state with another ethnicity. I don't know how that works. I don't know how to do that. What do you, what do you mean? They're, they're a church up in function with their own pastor. Their pastor said to me, I want you to be my pastor. So that's why we have Mike Stevens. He'll figure it all out. <laughs> but before we do that, listen, before we do that, it's going to mandate you being involved because we don't do anything like that without the family. Welcome aboard, Neil. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Exciting. One of my dearest friends is an expert on church mergers. Just so happens. I don't know how it's going to work. It's a different part of the world. It's a different language. But one of our visions was to be a multi-ethnic church. And y'all, Wimberley's 98% white. It's going to be hard to be multi-ethnic here, y'all. But God's vision is bigger than us and it's bigger than here. Did y'all know that? Hmm. We will function as a family by having fun, believing the best, guarding unity, and structuring according to relationships and purpose. Why do y'all think we want to have pie after this? Because we need pie. We don't, none of us need pie. But to enjoy the richness and fellowship of each other, to really love one another. I look forward to the weekends. I get to see you again. That's exciting to me. We've already done this. We we're doing this. We'll be a people in a place of help, healing, and hope for individuals and families. This next year, Celebrate Recovery is going to be up and running, along with divorce care and grief share, financial peace, um, and other ministries to, to widows and to hurting and to the addicted, because God wants us to be those people, to be those people. We've already created a core curriculum, a spiritual pathway to connect, step in, to grow, to step with, to serve, step up and to share, step out. And many of you have gone through all four of these experiences and I encourage every one of you to go through it. If you're a leader in this church family, if you lead a group or a ministry, you signed a covenant that says, I will go through these. Get it done, y'all. It is worth your time and worth your life. Can I get an amen for those of you who've been through it? It is, makes a huge difference. We're also going to expand that to strengthen families and to strengthen God's word. In January, we're going to be offering a systematic theology opportunity during our weekend gatherings that you could study deep stuff about God. We have a leader who's willing to lead that. We're going to be offering more short-term studies. That's why Stan came in and taught summer soak. We are so blessed to have Stan as a part of our team, a man with great theological understanding and delivery. We are blessed by my brother. He just happens to be my brother. And he's a world-class scholar, and we thank God for him. Now let's have some fun. We'll pay off our debt this year. Do y'all believe it? Yes. This year, we'll pay off our debt. Now God will do it. He'll provide the resources, but it won't stop there. Because we need to expand our campus. We need more room for kids. 
badly. On Wednesday nights, the kids are like the Midian stand. They spread out over the land. And we need more space for Melinda to continue to build young lives for children. And we've been in the design concepts and discussions with an architect. And Melinda, I think we've got about 90% of it done, right? And we'll be presenting that. She's kind of thinking she might want more. But we'll be presenting that to you very soon for you to look at and to pray through and us to consider. One of the long-range plans here has always been to have a multi-purpose room. We need to build that, y'all. So our students can have a place to gather, right, Sean? A place to, to have sports, but a place that we as a family can gather. When we do our parties with the purpose, y'all, it look like an anthill out in that, and we, we need a place for that to happen. And we're working at design concepts with that. And we can't do this too soon. As I prayed about this, God showed this to me. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense for soon you will be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle ruined cities. And so we're gonna present that to you. Now let me tell you kind of how that rolled out. We talked last year about uh, getting rid of our um, boardwalks to eternity. And so we started working that process and then we, we opened up a can of worms with Wood Creek is what we did. They got to whining like little cats about impervious cover and about master plan and blah, 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 blah. And so they stalled our, our, can, our, stalled our process. I said, let's just tear them up, put them in and get forgiveness after it's done. That's why we have an ALT. <clears throat> and so with that, it caused us to have to think through a whole master plan about what this campus could look like. What will it be? Now, Mike Stevens and I were talking about this, and I'm going to be real honest with you, okay? I'm not a spring chicken. Did y'all know that? We're going to build stuff, Mike and I talked about this, that he and I probably will never enjoy because we're too old unless we build it to Deer Creek. <laughs> not, going not going there, that's right. <laughs> you know, we have an opportunity to do something that's a legacy gift to the future generations. To expand this beautiful campus and to build facilities that God can use for his glory. One of the things we were talking about as we were dreaming this dream, we have a piece of land out on 12 that the original plan was to sell that land so we could pay off the building. We're gonna pay off the building without selling that land, y'all. Do you know that? That land is a huge asset to us. Think about what if we decided we were going to build a facility that's a gift to the Wimberley Valley. Instead of them going and hanging out at the Shady Llama, what if they came and hung out at the first patio where they could have great food and fellowship, hear wonderful music, and be lifted up to know and serve King Jesus? What if? Now, some of y'all are going, have you lost your mind? Yes, all for Jesus. But listen, I'm just, I'm just talking out loud now. Before any of this happens, we all have to be in unity. Looking at not what it'll cost, but what it'll do and asking Jesus to lead us accordingly. These are some of the things we've been wrestling with as a team. You say, well, Scott, well, you talk about a merger, you talk about building, a, 
And y'all, there's other churches that are bubbling that says, we want you to help, we want you to help, we want you to help. I don't know what God's gonna do. I heard somebody talking the other day, said, well, Pastor Scott, I hope you don't want to turn us in a mega church. I'll tell y'all something about that. Listen to me. I pastored a quote unquote mega church and it's nothing but something made up by a publishing company. The only mega there is, is King Jesus. And he's not impressed with large gatherings. The church in Jerusalem was 100,000 people within a year. That was a mega church. And they made a mega difference. I'm not looking to be famous. Did y'all know that? I'm looking to make Jesus famous. I'm not looking to make y'all famous. We're looking to make Jesus famous. If Jesus can do something of this magnitude in Wimberley, Texas, do you not think it'll be inspirational to everywhere, Texas? Do not despise the small beginnings, my friends. And do not despise the power of a small town. I bring up the village of Nazareth. What good could come from Nazareth? King of kings and Lord of lords. What good could come from Wimberley? A movement that revitalizes the church in North America for King Jesus. For King Jesus. We'll give our very best in all we do. We'll also leverage technology as we pursue the vision detailed above for the glory of God. I talked to you last year about this. And this is becoming reality. Why do we do this? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul said this to the church in Corinth, talking about the church at Philippi. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God, to us. May we first give ourselves to the Lord and then by the will of God to do what the Lord is asking us to do and to become who the Lord is asking us to become. I'll leave you with one phrase that I've said to you over and over and over and over. Your view of Jesus will shape your view of the church which shapes our view of our mission in the world. We view Jesus as King and Lord. We view his church as the movement of God. We deem our mission to rescue the perishing and care from the dying, to snatch them by pity from death and the grave, to build his kingdom here through the broken lives of us. All for Jesus. All for Jesus.